Hello, everybody. Welcome to Five Hole Fantasy Hockey Radio. I'm your host, TJ Branson, and join with me once again is Zach Vogel. Hey, hey, hey. So last episode, we talked bounce backs. Uh, these are players who played kind of poorly this year, like less than their standard. They're going to play, at least in our mind, they're going to play better next year or a lot better in the upcoming year. So today we're doing the opposite. Players who played way too well this year and due to drop off a little bit. Regression. Um, I'm sure you can think of some people. There are definitely some players on the forefront of our minds, the tip of our tongues. Uh, you look at people like William Carlson, Sean Couturier, Taylor Hall, Matt Barzell, Miko Rantanen, Nathan McKinnon, so on and so on and so on. So what we're going to do is we're going to try and find out a reason for the success this year and whether or not it is sustainable into next year's fantasy hockey season. So this time we're going to start with you, Zach. Who do you think is going to regress? Okay, so TJ, I'm looking to start with the guys over in Colorado. We've said it before about two years ago. We were all picking up anybody who's playing Colorado. Nobody wanted anybody who was on Colorado because they were scoring like one, maybe two fucking goals a game, but they were getting seven goals scored on them. Yeah. Uh, and then all of a sudden last year, they kind of start coming into their own. Nathan McKinnon just broke the fuck out. Matt Duchesne got traded. I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but it does seem like wherever that poor guy goes, just turns into a trash ass team, which kind of sucks because honestly, like I like Matt Duchesne as a player. I think he has a lot of talent, but do you remember what he said? What he said? I want to get traded to a playoff team. And he <laughs> did. He did get traded to a playoff team. Just too little too late. He got traded to a playoff team. And then that playoff team turned into a non-playoff team. Big and the time. team that he was on went to the playoffs. <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. So I have two guys that I really think are intertwined and I'll let, I'll let you take the lead on one of them. It's uh it's Miko Rantanen and Nathan McKinnon. They're going to, they're going to sink and swim together. Now, Nathan McKinnon, in all honesty, he's a great player. He just always seems to be in the right place at the right time. As far as I'm concerned with McKinnon, he just has a really good knowledge of the ice, has a lot of smarts when it comes to playing the game. He's taking good shots, and I mean, hell, what, what did he have? He had 97 points this year. Yeah. His, In 74 his, That's absurd. Yeah. And his previous two seasons, he had 52 points, 53 points. I think his uh, previous season high was his, like, his first year, his rookie year, he got like 63 points back in uh, 2013. Yeah. So he, like, like you said, broke the fuck out. So, I mean, he beat that by 34 points the past two seasons. He beat him by, like, 35 points. Like, it's craziness. But also, hey, I know people hate the whole plus-minus thing, but he was finally he was finally on the plus side. Yeah. I mean, people hate plus-minus personally. That tells me how your team is doing in general. So, I mean, that tells me if you're scoring goals. That tells me if you're having a lot of goals scored on you. A lot of times, that'll tell me if you're winning games. It means something to me, but hey, that's just me. So on top of the fact that he had all those points, he had almost double the amount of pims from his previous high. His previous high was 34. He had 55 pims this year. Last year, he had 16. Power play points, he was double digits. He had 12 power play goals. Uh, so he was double digits there. And power play points, he had 32. 
guy had a great season and, and uh since his rookie year where shooting percentage was 10 he's been below 10% below 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 last year he was up to 13.7 on his shooting percentage i mean it's not like he was taking too many more shots than he usually did he took 30 more shots than he did the previous year that's okay but we've seen some guys that take like out of nowhere, they'll take like a hundred more shots yeah. than they did the year before. So, I mean, it's not like he's taking too many more shots than he did before. He's just taking better shots. And 13.7, that's not like, that's not way out of the realm of sustainability. It's just, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's more than double that he had last year. 13.7, you look at guys like Crosby who have been able to, uh, an average, something like that. So that could, you know, continue to happen and mckinnon like you were saying man he's a fucking good player knows where to be so and he's a bfg yeah i don't i don't know if i don't know if you noticed that but he is a six foot 205 not bad i like him so i thought about trading i thought about trading for him last year but uh the price was the price was too high is this a guy you're looking at in like the first or second round next year or is it kind of like all right so so he he showed us one year of almost a hundred points. He was on like a hundred and you know fifteen point pace if he would have played a full season, you know, with those extra eight games, ninety seven points. I don't know. He he would have broke a hundred without a doubt. He would have definitely given Connor McDavid a run for his money. I don't know the exact number there. I don't feel like doing math. I mean, he he was pretty good all around. His faceoffs were kind of shitty. Uh, he was fifty percent less two years ago go way down to 40 almost 40 percent this year um uh, but he did finally get this breakout he was a first overall draft pick back in 2013 this is what colorado uh this is what they wanted out of him and they finally got it so do you see him keeping this next year well i have him on my regression page for a reason so you Um, think he's like a 75 80 point player or is he like a 90 plus I do not. I don't think he's going to get ninety plus again. I. I mean, I don't. Don't get me wrong. I could be wrong. But do I see him sustaining ninety plus seasons throughout the years? No. I mean, I. I kind of see this as a drop in the bucket. He hasn't done it before. It's and it's not the fact that he's not good, but okay. Is is Kerfoot going to come back and, and be a strong player next year? Is Ranton going to come back and be a strong player next year? How's their goalie situation going to turn out? I mean, it all depends on these things. So you asked if you asked earlier, if I would, if I would draft him in the first, second round, no third round would, would you like third I round? Think, okay. Sorry. I would think about drafting in the third round. Yeah. Third yeah. round, fourth round, fifth round. Yes. I'm, I'm drafting him in that area. But am I drafting him in the, with my first or second pick? No. Nope. No. I'm right. sorry. I'm not trying to be an asshole about it, but one ninety-seven point year. One ninety-seven yeah. point year can't carry you. I mean, what if what if he goes back to being a sixty point player? So you just wasted your first or second round pick on a guy who had one incredible year. Hell, before this he was only a sixty point player once. Yeah. What if he goes back to being a fifty point player? What if he yep. goes back to being a, a fucking thirty point player? Then you know what I mean, and I and I draft yep. him in the second round. That's that's a that's a mistake that's really hard to come back for or from. Yeah. And if you're going to draft somebody that high, number one, you're not going to want to trade them. Okay, so last year his stock was so high 
it was a good idea to trade him. Don't get me wrong, because he was doing good. So maybe you wanted him on your team at the price that you draft him at, drafted him at, which was probably in the let's be honest, uh, eight 12, nine ten. I was yeah, I was gonna say I was gonna say double digits. You drafted him pretty low, yeah. So you got him for cheap, and then when you're trading him you're getting somebody good out of it because this is a guy who's at the top of the league and scoring. That's essentially like trading the 10th round pick for a second round pick. Exactly. Even a first round pick. I mean, last year he played like a first round pick. Yes, he did. It's just whether or not he's going to carry that into next year is where you're going to draft him next year. I'm thinking third round is pretty safe. Uh, If you want to reach, I mean, be my guest. I'm thinking Uh, it's just all between three and five. It all comes down to me as, do you trust the Colorado Avalanche? Yeah, we're going to break right into Miko Rantanen, who just, uh, Jesus Christ. I don't know if I do. I don't know if I do trust the Colorado Avalanche. And, hell, as you know, I mean, how we play, so we play NHL all the time. What's one of the teams that I always used to just kick your ass with and you, you hated, you hated it. And, and they Colorado. weren't really they weren't really good like even on the game but for some reason I just always play well with them. It was yeah. Colorado. They were, good they were with like Landeskog. yeah. Oh man, I do love Mason Gabriel Landeskog. In that game, he's like a hat trick just waiting to happen. Absolutely. Yeah, crazy. So I mean, it really does. It comes down to whether you trust the Colorado Avalanche. Okay, so I had said earlier that Nathan McKinnon and a player like Miko Rantanen. Their futures are entwined. Yeah, they they're gonna they're gonna sink together. They're gonna float together. I guess I don't know, whatever the that phrase would be. But yeah, good enough. But yeah, let's hope they float. Yeah, their their fates are intertwined. Uh, Miko Rantanen, twenty one years old, six foot four, two hundred and eleven pounds. BFG, twenty one years old, right wing, left handed shot. Uh, he's it. He just finished his second year in the league. In 16-17, his rookie year, he played 75 games, had 38 points. That's like a half point per game. 20 goals, 18 assists. He was a minus 25. So was everybody on that 16-17 Colorado Avalanche. He had 10 power play points, 4 goals, 6 assists, and took 133 shots. But still at 15%. Uh, Didn't take too many hits, didn't block too many shots. This year, he played 81 games, had 84 points. So he's above a point per game player. Easily doubled his his total from the year before, had 29 goals and 55 assists. Jesus fuck. Even plus minus rating, and he had 35 power play points, 12 power play goals, 23 power play assists. Uh, with Duchesne leaving, he was able to hop onto that top line uh, with him and Landeskog and, uh, and McKinnon. It really worked out for him. Took like, I don't know, like 40, 45 more shots at 16.3% this year. So... I mean, that's two years in the league, two years above 15% as his shooting percentage. We don't really have a lot to go on, but hey, that uh, that could be what he what he is as a person. Um, was playing like 19 you, minutes you a honestly, game. You honestly believe, though, that he's a a 15-plus shooting percentage guy in the league? Like, that's his average right now. His average that, is, that like, is his, his average is 15.3. Looking in his minor league and his junior stats, he's he was a point per game player at the AHL level. He was playing with the San Antonio Rampage. He put up sixty points in fifty two games. He's twenty one years old. He was a tenth overall pick in two thousand fifteen. 
He's a BFG. He's a first rounder. So I know you love this guy. You love your first rounders. Who doesn't love first rounders and big fucking guys? What kind? <sighs> what kind of hockey team does not love first rounders and big fucking guys? Yes, I like I, those I two things about, about my hockey players. So there's there's not a huge sample size, but his his stats from junior year or his junior days, like he's been a point per game player. So. I don't think he's going to be over a point per game player like he was this year, but if him and McKinnon can continue their success, then no reason to say Miko Rand is not going to be at least close. I think 70 points as well within reach, depending, like we had said before, on McKinnon's performance. Those 55 assists that he had this year were probably heavily on the back of Nathan McKinnon. Well, that's exactly what I was saying. So, like, if McKinnon has it down here, you know that Miko Rantanen was on a, a fuck ton of those assists and yeah. had Nathan passing the puck and all that sort of stuff, giving him yeah. good shots. Now, I'm not saying that Miko Rantanen is not a good player. He obviously, at least through the first couple of years, has shown that he can do it and he um, he can take good shots and be on the ice and make the right decisions. I'm not saying that he's not good. I just think that if one has a down year, the other is going to suffer. It's something I've seen too many times. I just think that his promotion to the top line is like, we're going to see um, Miko Rantan closer to this year, to this year's performance than to last year's performance. He's playing with two guys. Rantan saw Kinson top line time, playing Scotty McKinnon. He saw power play once. Uh, he saw a bump in his ice time from last year's tire fire of the avalanche year. Um, he's getting used heavily in offensive zone starts. So, you know, the team has confidence in his scoring ability. Um, his PDO is a bit high, but everything looks okay. It's just 100.4. So 101.4 rather. So, I mean, that could go down to 100, which, which is like where you expect everybody to be. But there's nothing outside of his 16% shooting percentage that you should really be concerned about. And then I went into his on-ice shooting percentage, which was pretty high. Uh, it takes into account like all the pucks thrown onto the net by the, all the players on your team. And it's about 10%. So it's on the high side of average. The league average for on-ice shooting percentage is anywhere between 7 and 10% with like your elite Crosby and McDavid. Those those lines, they shoot at like 12 to 13%. So it's not too scary to see a 10.5 on-ice shooting percentage. But yeah, with two full NHL seasons, his, his personal shooting percentage is 15.7. But if I had to guess, he's going to drop down a bit to earth just the mantra here is his success goes hand in hand with mckinnon so we'll see i don't think, um, I don't think there's any way of getting around it i hope that they're good next year and because i i like the avalanche but also so a player like mckinnon i think in general flies under the radar he was definitely a late round steal last year that's my thought on that whole subject i, I mean mckinnon is your top player he's the one going in the third fourth fifth round Miko Rantanen could be the guy that just gets forgotten about. And then boom, all of a sudden he's there in the ninth, 10th round. And you're like, shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that you could possibly steal him because I mean, let's be honest. He's Miko Rantanen is not a household name. Uh, If you're not living in Colorado or you're not like a out and out hockey fan, most people probably don't exactly know who Miko Rantanen is. Yeah. He could be definitely one of next year's steals. But I also think that, in the years to come, he could be one of those players that really, not that he didn't break out already, but like makes a name for himself 
and is better respected and more well-known throughout the league. Yeah. So, I mean, this may be the last year that you can get Miko Randon at a good price. At a discount. But yeah. beware. Yeah, if somebody... If somebody because wants to take him in like the fifth or sixth round, let them do it, you're, man. Yeah, you're you're reaching at five or six. Yeah, you're certainly reaching at five or six. I think, but, anything but if you're, but if he's getting down to like the eighth round, and Miko Randon's out there, I I personally would know have or I personally would have no problem taking him. Yeah, yeah. he should be like maybe your sixth um, forward picked. Like if you if you spend, let's say you go eight rounds, what I would do let's say nine rounds because that, that like perfectly for me, I go forward, then defenseman, then forward, then defenseman until I have like three studs in each. And then I just fill out wherever like best player available and I'll throw a goalie in there. So like ninth round to me would be absolutely perfect to take uh Miko Randon. Cause then at that rate, you have like four, you have four really good forwards, four really good defensemen and a goalie. And then boom, you got Randon. I mean, you should be pretty solid at that rate. You and I have very different ways that we draft. And, and hey, it's obviously worked for both of us. You took it last year. I took it the year before that. I like, to, I like to pile up on forwards. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'll, I'll put a defenseman or two mixed in there, but I usually go forward heavy, and then I, and then I trade those forwards. I think I'm going to have to go back and listen. There was a podcast... Um... I can't remember who it was. It was either keeping Carlson or one of the other guys, but um, they were talking about how you should like if, all right, you're in the second round and, and your, your options are Ovechkin or Eric Carlson, which one would you go for? And they were saying that like, you should definitely, you know, maybe it's bad to give name examples, but if there's like an elite defenseman or an elite forward, you should de- always go forward. So maybe your draft style is a little bit better because you're getting, a surefire, like a 75 point year out of Ovechkin would be a bad year, but a 75 point year out of Eric Carlson would be a fucking great year. And that's somebody you're picking in the second round. So always go with the guy that has the higher ceiling. You don't really see like um, defensemen having a hundred point years or 49 goals. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe, maybe I'll alter my drafts this year a little bit maybe no I, it obviously works for you i think you should just stick to what you're doing <laughs> go ahead and draft fucking like cam talbot fourth overall and you know uh, just well i'm thinking maybe i'll go like third round i mean unless unless you're getting like brent burns who's just gonna score fucking like 80 points every year yeah i don't know but even I'm, even at 80 points that's like a third round forward second round forward. Those are the guys in like the Artemi Panarin, that kind of thing. I mean, if you're just stacking them up, if you, if you don't, if you take away the whole label of forward and defenseman and you're just looking at points, like I know we need defensemen. I know we need forwards, but I mean, if you have eight really awesome forwards and then your best defenseman is like, I don't know, Seth Jones or somebody like that. And he's going to, he's going to put up like 40, maybe 45 points, but you have enough forward depth that, they're carrying your team in a way that I guess we're talking points leagues here. This, yeah, I was just going to say this is only in a points league that you're talking about. I mean, it's yeah. so a if little you, skewed. But I mean, you could still find uh, forwards that are that are doing those peripherals that can block shots, take <clears> hits. <throat> like Blake Wheeler, you could get in the second, third round instead of drafting somebody like Eric Carlson, who Blake Wheeler can number one get a fuck ton of points, and then he gets 
he gets like a above average amount of pims and an above average amount of hits. But then you can also fill out the rest of your roster with you can stream somebody for blocks. Like you can Andy Green is not getting fucking drafted. You can stream him on a day that you need blocks or like Steven Johns or somebody like that. Like you can find blocks on the waiver wire. You, you don't need to draft for blocks. So maybe it is better to go for forwards and just sheer offense right away and just make sure you're good there because offense is one thing that's extremely hard to stream, even in categories, even in points leagues, like across the board, offense is hard to find. Usually when you're on the waiver wire looking for offense, you're like, eh, well, this guy's sometimes on the second power play unit and plays, you know, third line minutes and and you're like, yeah, there's a chance he can score. He's playing yeah, Buffalo that's, today. that's when you really have to do your homework and you're like, okay, well, this guy's projected to be on this line for this week. He's going to be playing with this player and all a guessing game. I mean, we're pretty decent at it. I'm, I'm pretty sure in these last five minutes, we've just like, we should stop right here because this could be a whole episode worth of content. Like draft strategy could be a whole episode. Okay. You like can we, cut it out. No, I'm not going to cut it out. I'm going to leave it in because that'll create some like mystique. mystique. We could always do like, yeah, that's, draft that's a stra- actually bit. a draft strategy uh, episode would that would be a really good episode. I agree. Yeah, with maybe that. we spend like thirty to forty five minutes on points leagues, and then we do thirty to forty five minutes on category leagues. And fan tracks can suck a dick. And then the next, like the week after that, maybe we do the mock draft. Like I could, I could hang out with you on Google. Um, I'll get like a Bluetooth speaker or some shit so everybody can hear you. I'll have those fucking idiots over and we'll just kill a case of beer or something like that. Can do. That'll All be right, cool. So where are we going next, TJ? I believe uh, you're going to touch on Taylor Hall. You're going to touch him so good. Taylor Hall. I stole your boyfriend last year and his name was Taylor Hall. You remember yeah. that? Yeah. Taylor Hall got hurt. And After then you I picked- told me you weren't going to pick him up. And then you did. <laughs> but like, hey, yeah, man, I, it's cool. Would I know you, he's your player. I'm not going to do it. And yeah, but then you just let him sit out there, and I was like, you he know was what? Hurt. Fuck this shit. Fuck this. I'm picking him up. I think so we were I did. at the same hockey game too when you when you picked him up, and I was looking no, down. And no, no, like, no, no, no. That is that is not true. Um, we were at work, and I was pooping. You were downstairs uh, sweating your nuts off, and I was upstairs taking a break pooping. That's pretty much when I get all of my fantasy hockey work done. So I picked, I picked him up while I was pooping, and uh, that was that. And I got mad. How long did it take me to get mad? Was it like, did I notice right away? No. I mean, if he was playing, then I probably noticed because he probably scored some type of point that day. I was like, wait a second, Taylor Hall is on your team? What the fuck? I could have sworn I was at a hockey game. I don't think I don't so, man. I'm like, I know when I picked him up. Cause I was even thinking to myself, man, TJ gonna be mad. <laughs> That's the way she goes, man. But also last year he didn't I mean he did okay last year. This year, before this, in the so the 13-14 season, he had an 80 point season, which was by far his highest. Yeah, and then all of a sudden this year, ninety three friggin' points. He had that huge point streak where what it was like twenty four games, but it was kind of split up. Um, yeah, yeah, because 20, he twenty four straight games played, but not yeah. Like he games. had gotten hurt, but I think what it was, 
21 game was it 20 or 21 games that he actually had a inline game games played yeah i think i can't remember the exact number but it, it was pushing like record breaking it was up there and it just seemed like he was every time that something good happened taylor hall was on the ice as much as i hate the devils i am a taylor hall fan this year i thought hey i'll draft nico heischer because he was out there like late, late, late rounds. Like I drafted Nico Heischer in like the fucking like 16th round or something like that. Always got to take a chance on the number one pick. As I, as I had said, I drafted Nico Heischer in the hopes that he would be playing with the with these top line guys, which all in all, he was. Every time something good happened, it was Taylor Hall that was on the point. He was getting the goals. He was getting the assists. Nico Heischer just didn't get any of the points like he he had a good year he had a, he had actually he had a he had a great year for a freshman campaign but taylor hall came out and just kicked some serious ass last year i mean to to be totally honest to say the his, least his pims were his pims were average he had 34 pims last year but his power play points he had 37 his previous high was 21. He's coming out, scored a bunch of power play points. Uh, 13 of them were goals. So his career average for shooting percentage, which is something we, you and I, I know, I, I love shooting percentage because it tells me a lot about a player. Um, his career average is 10.9. Um, the past three years, he hasn't been above 10%. He was at 14% this year. And it's not like he was taking a ridiculous amount of shots. Uh, so this past year, he took 278 shots. The year oh, okay. before that, he took 238 shots. 15, 16, he put he uh, he took 286. So you know what I mean, though. Like it, it's not like he's taking all of a sudden he's taking 320 shots. Like, yeah, he stayed pretty steady on the shots. Yeah, so that's something that I really do like to see. It just means that you're taking better shots. Anybody can throw pucks on net and it's just going to get blocked or it's just going to be an easy an easy uh, puck that the goalie can see. Cough, but cough. Jeff Skinner, cough, cough. I don't know how many, but a lot of those goals that he actually did score were tip-ins, were in front of the net, in the dirty part, um, he was putting in rebounds, stuff like that. So it's not like he was just out at the point firing in shots. Yeah. He was just he was up, shots. He was up close. He was working hard. Uh he was in the paint. You know what I mean? He, yeah, he would always push hard towards the net. And you said like in the game against the Flyers, he kind of I think he sold Brian Elliott really good, like backhand, forehand, and scooped it around him. He was always driving the net. So I mean that it's definitely something that I like to see. I I like Taylor Hall and yeah, I think he's a, he's a great player. I, I can't stand the Devils. I fucking hate him. Taylor Hall, Kyle Palmieri, he was hurt quite a bit this year, but Taylor Hall, I mean, had a pretty healthy season. He played seventy six games. He only missed uh, a couple of games from from the injury, and that was unfortunately for him right in the middle of his little point streak. Oh, yeah. And the other games that he sat out, especially towards the end of the year, 
when they already knew that they were making the the playoffs and all that sort of good stuff, he was a healthy scratch. So, I mean, just resting him. Yeah. So, I mean, they were giving him rest at the end of the year. So those 76 games that he played, if they were in the, if they were in a playoff hunt, it would have been more like 79 would have been more like, yeah, I think, I think he had three healthy scratch games. The reason I I have Hall on this regression page is similar to the reason that we just talked about in Colorado. Do you trust the New Jersey Devils? They have a good top line, but I don't know if I can really trust the Devils. Is Nico Heischer, we talked about him a little bit earlier, is he going to have that sophomore slump? Or is he going to continue to grow as a player He's setting people up with really good shots, which is something Hall will have the no benefit way. of getting. So I think that that, that plays a, a big part in it. It's, it's do you trust the Devils? I I personally don't. They've kind of been in purgatory the past couple of years, and then all of a sudden they play really well, and they're in playoff contention and all that good stuff. But if you do that one year, then you got to prove it the next year. I'm going to have him on this regret until I see more out of the Devils. And yeah. he's a he's another player where, yeah, with with 93 points, he looks like a guy that you're drafting in the second or third round. But I'm not drafting you, Taylor Hall, in the second or third round. Nope. Somebody will draft this guy in. The fifth round. It's not gonna be me, but he does have that rank, uh, that name recognition. Yeah. So, same thing goes for my next guy, uh, Claude Giroux. Now that's some rain, uh, name recognition. That's for sure. Yeah, placed second in the league in overall points. He was just behind Connor McDavid. Uh, had 102 points this fucking year. Jesus Christ. That, that's his career high. Everything he did this year was his career high. 34 goals, 68 uh, assists. Christ, man. Like his shooting percentage was 17.6, which, well, his his shot production wasn't his highest all this year, but the shooting percentage, 17.6, that's way, 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 like way out of his wheelhouse. So I'm going to look at his last year. Um, he was coming off a of hip surgery, which is, what all of us here in Philadelphia like to blame for his way, way crazy down year last year. Still played all 82 games, had 58 points, though. 14 goals and 44 assists. Didn't even break 20 goals. Uh, he was a minus 15. Th- had 31 power play points. Again, most of them being assists. Out of his 58 points, so 31 points out of 58. More than half were on the power play. Uh, had just under 200 shots on goal at 7% last year. Was playing 19 minutes on ice. You know, Claude Drew always wrecks it on the faceoffs. Uh, 68 hits, 28 blocks. This year, however, again, played all 82 games. He's always been a, like, consistently healthy guy. Uh, yeah, which is nice to see. 102 points, 34 goals, career high, 68 points, career high, plus 28, career high, nine power play goals, 27 power play assists, which uh, rounds out to 36 power play points, 193 shots on goal, so that, like, Straight up, he's steady. taking he's taking less shots than he normally does. Yep, uh, less shots. His, his shot attempts well, went down by five. He he took five less shot attempts than he did the year before. And like, I mean, you go back three four years, he was taking 
close to two, 500 200, shot attempts. Yeah, 200 plus shots at, at, that he was taking the the prior years. Hell, in 14, 15, he he had 279. I mean, you know what I mean? Right. So he's taken almost, so what? He's taken 90 less shots, has a shooting percentage that's double. And this this is um, this is where I want to start to get into is this is the first year we saw Claude Giroux on the wing. Number one, the the seventeen point six shooting percentage jumps right off the page, and it's way way <clears throat> way above his career average, doubling last year, easily doubling last year. While he took six less shots this year, so a career high in shooting percentage suggests that we can definitely expect regression coming Giroux's way. Is he still a point per game? Candidate, yeah, I think so. But is he going to break 100 points next year? No, I don't think so. So as I said before, it was the first year he played as a winger that we got to see. So maybe um, this production is repeatable, but all the data like here on paper says he's going to drop down next year. Don't get me wrong. I would love it if we had the second highest scoring player in the NHL every year, but he's he's not a goal scorer. He's, he's an assist guy. And I think just everything went perfectly for him this year. He was... He was great. Absolutely great. But I don't think he's going to be uh, chasing down Connor McDavid next year for second, possibly first in the league. I just don't see it happening. If you keep on doing the same fucking thing and you're expecting different results, then... Definition of insanity. Yeah. So finally, he moves stuff around. Uh, for years, we've been we've been loving on Sean Couturier saying that yeah. this guy needs more of a chance. Finally, they put him up on the first-line center spot, and he kills it, all right? He is he is what they needed. It, it seemed like they were... T- okay, I'll put it this way. They were too soft on the, on the, for their first line. Their first line was too soft. Voracek is a big guy, but he's a finesse guy. Just because he's big doesn't mean that he's a bruiser, all right? He is a finesse player. He can keep you off the puck, but he's not, not going to yeah, I'm not saying you. he can, but I mean, he's not going out there and laying the pipe, dude. Yeah. You know? Uh, and and certainly Claude Giroux isn't either. On top of the fact that, okay, so now you throw Couturier out there, he changes the dynamic of that top line with also having the young defenseman behind you. They played a much more open game this year it all starts with the outlet passes out of the defense the flyers finally have those defensemen that can handle the puck well and aren't just trying to fly the puck out of there and just i need to get rid of this this is fucking (laughs) this is fucking fire on my stick i need to get i need to get this out no i've only been out here for 20 seconds but it's time for a line change yeah it's like they're actually moving the puck and being smart about it so, I mean, it was the whole dynamic of the, the team that honestly changed. And I know you didn't like the Hackstall hire when he first started, especially no, last. I will definitely give him some credit. He had he had the balls to put Giroux on the wing. He had the balls to move Konechny up to the top line. He has definitely made some good moves. And I listened to the, uh, the guys over at Broad Street Hockey, guys and girls. Those guys say that, um, all right, so what we've seen out of Dave Hackstall is he's had a shitty team. For, for long enough, you know, people like Boyd Gordon and fucking Andrew McDonald. You finally have Dave Haxall with a team who should be good. So this year, 
Like if we set them up for success, if we do something in the off season that without fail, like you should win or you should at least like win around in the playoffs and he doesn't do it, then he's done. But like, you can't expect a guy with a shitty team like Valtteri Fepola and fucking Yori Letero on your fourth line, third and fourth lines to be able to win you a Stanley cup. But now that he has a good team, like you got to be able to see what he can do with a good team. And I think yeah, he's there. Phil, Phil Pilo was playing way too much. I'll say that much. And I will also I will also pat myself on the back when it comes to Travis Konechny. But also, like we were talking about, he's another finesse player. Yeah. But, he, so, but he's got that shoot first type of thing that we need. So I like it. Uh, well, I he think- has a shoot first thing, but he has a, I'm going to skate around with this puck for 15 seconds and then I'm going to shoot it. It's a shoot only mentality. What do you think about I this? do like Travis Konechny, but I think that, that Giroux is going to have a little bit of a regression just because, I mean, 102 points is really hard to sustain. Do I think that if they stick with a line like this, that he can be a perennial 80-plus point player? He, he could definitely break into the top 10 in scoring again. He is, okay, am I drafting him in the first round? Nope. No. Am I drafting him nope. in the second or third round? Yeah, I could nope. see that. I, I could. Really? Yeah. One-year-old Claude Giroux is going to be third-round material. I'll take him in the fourth as a reach, fifth comfortable, sixth steal. Oh, my God. If you get Claude Giroux in the sixth fucking round in any league, can I be in your league? That's a steal, like I said. Like, fourth, fourth, I could see, like, all right, like three players that are surefire wins ahead of Giroux. Like, you could get... Like first round picks are your Connor McDavid, and you still got to think like some, I don't know, some leagues like value goalies super high. So I don't know. I'm thinking Giroux is probably a fourth round pick for me. That's where I, that's where I'm aiming for him. Fourth, I don't think round. that he's. A, I don't think that he's a reach though in the fourth round. You don't think it's a reach? No. No. No, I don't. I mean. He does play. He does play in the left wing. So I mean, that doesn't really help his situation because there are a lot of good left wingers out there. Yeah, stacked. So I mean, it would be a little different. Don't get it twisted. But yeah, in a points league, I mean, I'd be happy to get him in the fourth round. I don't. I don't think I'm. I'm reaching on the fourth round. Um, if he's one of my top four forwards, which usually, like I said, I draft heavy on, on forwards to, to start out the rounds just because I can, I know that I can move those forwards. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll, we'll see. Um, but I mean, in, in the sixth round, if I'm getting fucking Claude Drew in the sixth round, holy shit, am I happy about it? <laughs> I feel like I just got one over on y'all motherfuckers. If, if I get someone like Claude Drew in the sixth round. All right. I'm going with, uh, Spyburn, 10-year single malt scotch. Very good. Going with scotch, huh? Um, I have Dustin Brown next on my list. I don't know what your list is next. Let's get into... um. Oh, no. Oh, no. My sandwich. Uh, I'm sitting on my, my, uh, on my fishing chair. You know yeah. how it has that little table? 
Oh shit. Uh, I didn't have the table locked. I guess. Is the sandwich okay? The sandwich seems okay. Good. I'm hungry enough. I don't really care. All right. I think we're good. Yeah. uh, Next, I have uh, Anders Lee, Matt Barzal. Okay. Um, I know you mentioned Matt Barzal earlier. Uh, He's a rookie. He had a great season. But the main thing I want to focus on is the whole John Tavares thing. And that's what I, I mean, personally, I think that's really what I think. It seemed like he could carry his own because he was playing on a separate line outside of power play. He was playing five on five. He didn't really see much time with John Tavares. So those 85 points in 82 games. Okay. So if John Tavares isn't on your team, that means everybody is going to be, there's going to be much more focus on you. Yeah. Do you think Matt Barzell is going to be the number one center in that, in that (laughs) case? I would think so. I mean, Anders Lee is a center too. If John Tavares isn't on that team next year, I think Matt Barzell is going to be on the first line. Unless they do a whole kind of thing like they have in uh, in Pittsburgh, but I don't know if they have the I don't know if they really have the talent to do that to have two first lines. You know what I mean? Yeah, they don't have um, the wing the wing depth. But yeah, I mean, all of a sudden, more people are scouting for you. All right, the all the tape is going to be on you, not on John Tavares. So I mean, they're yeah. really going to be coming down on him. They're going to be hitting him a lot more stuff like that. So. The Islanders are not exactly great either, but they do have some standout players because John Tavares is John Tavares is a god. He's a demigod at at the very least. I don't know where he's gonna go. I hope he fucking stays with the New York motherfucking Islanders. I but... mean, you got you got Lou Lamorello now, so I mean, the chances are he's gonna stay. Lou Lamorello, he, he he's another god amongst men. Let's let's just say, I mean, he John Tavares really is a fantastic player. Um, he is somebody who I have a lot of respect for. I mean, he's he's done really well for himself on crap ass teams. Now, it is the other players on the Islanders that I really want to take a better look at. We're going to start with Anders Lee, and then we're going to move into Matt Barzal. Anders Lee had, for his standards, a great year. He had his highest point total ever at 62. He had 40 goals, 40 goals, 22 assists. His PIMs were right on par. His power play points did shoot up a lot. Um, He had 22 power play points. His previous high was 14. He had 14 power play goals, which, like we were just saying, matches his previous high on points for power play in a whole season. He is a pretty healthy player. I'll give that to Anders Lee. He played all 82 games this year. Last year, 81. The year before that, 80. He is available. I would like to see him shoot more. Last year, he had his highest shot total ever at 208. All right. I I would like to see this guy shooting more. Um, 208 shots isn't enough as far as I'm concerned. It's, It's the first time that he is actually had more than 200 shots. Going along with this whole shot and shot percentage thing, this past year, he had 19.2% for shot percentage. Now, his career shot percentage is pretty damn good. His career shot percentage, after being into the league in 2012, is 146 
that's pretty damn good. All right, I'm 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 a fan of that shot percentage. At 19.2, he could stand to lose a little bit of regression. Yeah, um that's that's one in five shots going in. Yeah. TJ and I had talked about this a little before, and this is also going to come to light with Matt Barzal. Where is John Tavares going to go, TJ? Because, shit, I don't know. Uh, one thing I yeah. do know is John Tavares isn't exactly a happy man. He likes the area, but, I mean, who doesn't yeah. like money? And he also, he also wants to be on a winner. Yeah. You know what I mean? He wants and, to go somewhere that matters, and and let's just say it. I don't see the Islanders contending for a cup this year, next year, but I just don't see it. They don't have the they don't have the goalie for it. They don't have the defense for it. They have a pretty good offense. They can score goals. It's not like they can't. But there is many more phases to this game than just scoring goals. If John Tavares isn't on that team, obviously somebody has to step up. So, I mean, there will be more shots to be had. There will be all of that stuff. Like, uh, so, I mean, somebody's going to have to score the goals. Somebody's going to have to get the assists. But on the same note, if John Tavares isn't on your team, people are looking at you a lot harder. Yeah. So is somebody like Josh Bailey going to be able to fly under the radar like he has been? Uh, Josh Bailey has done well for himself playing with John Tavares when John Tavares isn't on the ice is Josh Bailey going to have that same sort of uh, connectivity with, with who else he's with, whoever else he's playing with. I don't know about that. He's just somebody else that kind of plays a role in that whole, in that whole scheme. All these people that have been suckling at the teat of John Tavares um, and living off of his coattails. That sounds really hot. It's all of them. It's it's Lee. It's Bailey. It's Barzal. When he's gone, they gotcha. you're gonna want you're gonna watch tape on somebody. You're yeah. gonna hone you're gonna hone in on somebody, <clears throat> and maybe it's that new young player who honestly who who kicked ass this year. I mean, Matt, Matt Barzal had a great season, over um, a point per game player in his rookie year, and that's fantastic. That's and wild. so TJ had said earlier about Barzal kind of held it that you think that he could hold his own because he was on his own line. Five on five. He, he wasn't playing with Tavares, but on the power play, he did only have, well, he had 22 power play assists. So a lot of that probably came from Tavares or just Tavares being on that same line. Like there's no, no getting around it. Like John Tavares on your team, everybody that you play with playing with John Tavares, their numbers are going to be better. So if you lose Tavares, how many points is Barzal going to lose? And that that probably shows most prevalent in his power play because he was rocking that that line on his own with um I know he's playing with Beauvillier for a while, Andrew Ladd, um Matthew Barzal, Jordan Eberle. Good old Jordan Eberle. Are are guys like Jordan Eberle going to see a hit? I mean, if Tavares goes, then do you think Matt Barzal is your number one center? And maybe maybe his production goes up just because he is um, seeing more time, seeing higher deployment, stuff like that. But then again, you got the other side of the sword that says you're going up against better other other teams' first lines, other teams' top pairings and stuff like that. So we're going to have and to wait and see. It's just that I know this. Okay, so if I am an NHL head coach, if I'm an NHL player, this star rookie comes out 
and he doesn't have the security blanket of another player on your team like John Tavares, you know what I'm doing? I'm going after that fucking kid. I'm yeah, going. I'm, I, I just am. I maybe it's bad to say, but I'm going after that kid. I'm going to make him score against me. I'm not going to give him. I'm not going to give him all the little. How do I want to say it? I'm not going to give him open ice. I'm yeah, going to be. I'm going to be. Anyway. I'm going to be touching him all the time. I'm going to have my no. hands on him. I'm going to have my stick on him. I'm not mm. going to give him any chance to breathe. Mm. All right. How how is he? How is Matt Bowers all going to? How's he going to adjust to that? Yeah. So that's that's really what I bring this down to. Do I think that Matt Barzal is a great young player? Can he be productive? Yes, I think so. Is Anders Lee um, a veteran now who can hold his own in the league? Yes, I think that. But it's how do you respond when you don't have your star player anymore and all of a sudden you are thrust into the limelight and people are on top of you? There's there's nothing on Matt Barzal's um, stat sheet that says this is not something that can be repeated. Everything that he, everything, all his advanced stats, stuff like that, everything says like this. This is who we're looking at as a player. He could be a point per game player. I mean, there is that caveat that like if Tavares isn't there, then everything changes. Everything we could say right now is going to be completely thrown out the window, and that goes double for Andres Lee. Is he's playing directly? His his fate is directly intertwined with John Tavares, and if you're playing with somebody like Matt Barzel, that's a step back, but it's not a huge step back. But I mean, he's not John Tavares. He 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 doesn't have the faceoff wins, even close to something Tavares is putting up. His defensive play is nowhere near Tavares's um, standard. The, like this is something we're gonna have to touch on later in the year after the draft. See if he gets traded, signed somewhere else. Um, my gut tells me he's gonna be back in the on Long Island, but. You never know. He could wind up in Montreal. He could wind up in San Jose. You you really don't know at this point. Down and it comes down to that for draft status too. Yeah. I'm not really looking at anybody on the Islanders if it's not John Tavares. If I do draft anybody else from the Islanders, I'm only doing it if John Tavares is on the team and they're playing with him. I mean, Matt Barzal. Yeah, who is Josh uh, Bailey without fucking Tavares? Like exactly. Josh Bailey with Tavares is is easily like one of one of your like middle to above average guys, but then without him, he fuck, that's not going to be great. It was almost like uh shit. It was Tarasenko and Shen. Like they were great together, but then mm-hmm. when they were, when they were on their own, they were just, well, Shen, especially he was just kind of like average. So as I was saying with Matt Barzel, like nothing on his stat sheet says he's going to regress, but it's just whether or not it's sustainable. Was this a guy that nobody had a book on? And then next year, they're going to know how to play this kid, and he's going to see a drop from 85, which is really nothing. That's not like out of the ordinary. 85 points in your first year, the the, the direction I'm looking is down. So he could be a 65, 70-point player next year, and that's just the way it goes. Is like You break out, and nobody's even heard your name before, and that's how you sneak around everybody. Nobody knows how to play you, and then next year, they learn, and that then you're your totals, they take a hit because of it. But with um, Anders Lee, that almost 20% shooting percentage, that is something that needs to drop down. And just looking at stats and logic in general, even if Tavares is on the team next year, that's something we can still see to regress next year is, you know, one in five shots going in the back of the net, 40 goals. That doesn't seem repeatable. 
Um, he could do it. I mean, if he if he shoots a hell of a lot more, I don't know, man. Like those shooting percentages, anything above fifteen, like it starts to get really scary. Okay, so I mean, I think those are those are all good oh, reasons. I mean, and, and that's I just, why I have them on there. I just got What's some that? breaking news here. Moving on to somewhere nice and warm. Uh, I, I right, I got up a little bit. How, how about we run down to LA? So we'll take a trip out to LA right now. And Dustin Brown, who was kind of a pleasant surprise for anybody that um, picked him up or whatever, because I mean, his year last year wasn't exactly draft worthy, unless you're in like a really hits heavy league or you were drafting him for that. In 16 17, he played 80 games. He had 14 goals, 22 assists for 36 points all day, minus four, 22 pims, three power play points. Not great. Uh, 175 shots on goal, 16 minutes time on ice, 190 hits, which is what, if you were drafting Dustin Brown, that's why you're dra- drafting Dustin Brown. I'm not and drafting block, so. for hits, but. So the biggest factor here is the almost four-minute jump of time on ice uh, from last year, well, from two years ago to last year. I guess we're going to start calling the 17, 18. That'll be last year from now on. He saw 25% more time on ice this year. And he saw a 60% uptick in offensive production. That's to go along with his 5% jump in shooting percentage. So it's starting to make sense um, how he had his first over 40-point season in six years. His total shot attempts went up by 40. But what's good to see is the progress from 54% of his shots last year were counted as shots on goal to 60%. So his aim's getting a little bit better. He had 326 in 1617 and 175 were logged as shots on goal. And this year he had 368. So that did go up to two by 40 and uh, 222 were counted as shots on goal. So he is getting 6% more accurate. Still, I don't see a 34 year old Dustin Brown getting another 60 point year anytime soon. His line mate, Anze Kopitar did have a bounce back year too. And I think Brown benefited like a great deal from that. So if Kopi does it again, and Brown is playing with him, then he could have another like really well-rounded fantasy year. But like I said, and Dustin Brown had a really wild, I think it was an anomaly. I don't see this happening again for him. His shooting percentage this year was 12.6. His average over his career is 9.5. I don't know. That that to be paired with his almost four, four minutes of more time on ice, I don't know. Dustin Brown, he, he had a really good year. For anybody that had him this year, the, the Pims were great. They were almost double what they were more than double what they were last two years ago. Um, the hits were like right on par with what you expect from Dustin Brown, right around 190. So he's a very physical player and even threw in some offense this year. But like I was saying, like his first over 40 point season in six years and he he blasts past 60. I don't see it happening again. He's probably going to go back to being that 40 point guy that we know. I would say no one love, but he's the guy we know. Yeah, I mean, I'm not really a big Dustin Brown fan. But I will say, you brought me into a perfect segue to start talking about Anshay Kopitar. So I don't think anybody in the league would say that Anshay Kopitar is not a great player. Um, He's the captain for the Kings. He has held them down on many runs to win the Cup. And it seems like in the past 10 years... They're always a favorite to make the playoffs, get to the cup finals. And with a goalie like Quick, you can really lean on something like that a lot. However, Anshay Kopitar himself has really 
kind of had an up and down career to say the least. So there's only been one other year and that was all the way back in 2009, 2010 when he had over 80 points. This past season, he had 92. Now last year, as I recall, we actually did have him on our bounce back episode. So TJ, you were right. I'll give you that. Just pat you myself were, on the back real quick. You were you were right about the bounce back for Anche Kopitar, and and I agreed with you. Two out of the past three seasons, he's had sub sixty five, or actually three out of the past six years, he's had sub sixty five point seasons. So it's kind of like this roller coaster up and down, and it almost seems like every other year he'll have sub sixty five. Then the next year he'll have above sixty five. So it's like he'll have a good year, a bad year, a good year, a bad year. I'm just reading the numbers here, and I can yeah. say that that's telling me that next season he's going to be below 65 points. Well, the two points was in 47 games. That was the lockout year. So he was pushing close to a point per game. At that, it was 76, 73, 81. So it, I think 65 is pretty safe, like where – he should be, and he probably will be next year, like 65 to 75 point on the high, high side. So I think that's probably a safe bet. And what and what do you think about his uh, 17.5% shooting percentage? <laughs> I mean, that's a career what, high. What, what, do, you, and, what do you think uh, of that? I, I, I think it's, uh, it's not sustainable, like to say the least. So he took 200 shots, scored 35 goals. That's fucking crazy. I mean, his, damn, his numbers are like really even. And shots, 350 shot attempts, 35 goals, just a lot of really nice, even divisible by five numbers. Sorry, that's just me like being uh, OCD, like makes my OCD a little happy right there. Uh, He's great on faceoffs, like a really good. um, But he's always been good at faceoffs. He's always been a career above 50% faceoff guy. He wasn't super above his his average. I mean, he was 54% this year. But all all I'm saying is at 92 points where it is your career high, I don't know if I see that happening again. No. The Kings are not getting any younger, TJ. Let's just It's almost like we could copy and paste exactly what we said about Claude Giroux minus the switch to wing and just talk about Anzi Kopitar the same way. He's going to be 31. You don't see a 31-year-old pushing 100 points. Um, especially when their their shooting percentage is more than doubled the year it was before. He doubled his shooting percentage from last year. His career high before that was 15.9, and that was in his second year when he got 77 points. So I think it'd be safe to say on the high end he'd get 80 points next year, but safely 65 to 75 points. would. Pro- it's, it, that's exactly where I'm going to put him next year, in like a 70-point range, give or take five points. Let's just – okay, the way I see it as well – is the bottom is going to drop out on the LA Kings at some point in time. This league is a cyclical league. I mentioned before about Jonathan Quick, and he's going to he's going to be your rock. He's, you can always trust him, but he's a feast or famine kind of guy too. He had a ton of shutouts this year. At what point do you stop trusting the Kings? Like I said just a couple of minutes ago, they're not getting any younger. Trevor Lewis is getting up there. Dustin Brown's getting up there. Anche Kopitar has been in the league for what, 12 seasons now? Yeah, who are your young guys? They're like Adrian Kempe, Alex Ayafalo. Like, that's going to be your core in five years? If if that's the case, I mean, I'm not really looking forward to the Kings in five years. 
Yeah, their window is uh, quickly closed. I think closed, their window so. has passed or is closing and closing very quickly. So, I mean, if they're going to make another run at this, Kopitar is going to have to not have this slumping season like I am expecting him to have. So last year, I put the bet on that the Kings were going to do much better this year, and they did. And I would would go as far as to make the opposite of that bet for next year. Uh, I don't see the Kings repeating what they did this past year, and everybody was surprised about it. Maybe not yeah. everybody, but uh, I know a lot of people in the league were uh, just because they haven't been showing a lot. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Kopitar is doing all this. And I follow is coming out of his own. And Jonathan Quick is playing like the Jonathan Quick of old. At some point in time, I mean, it's all going to end. I, I just, I have a feeling it's going to regress to the tune of probably 20 points. I don't see him breaking 92. I don't really see him breaking 80. I can see him being 65, 70. Yeah. I think that's a safe place to put him. Kind of just plateau and coast out that way. Yeah. And and don't get me wrong. That's not a bad thing. It's certainly going to be less than 92. So I think so too. We can, we can move on other than that. Who who do you got next, my brother? Teravainen next. Teravainen. Yeah. Tevo Teravainen. Center, kind of a small guy, 5'11", 178, 23 years old, just entering his prime. Uh, another first-round pick, so that's pretty much like, I don't I don't think we have any second-round picks here. Maybe uh, maybe William Carlson when we get there. Let's look at the 16-17 year. He had 81 games played. He had 15 goals, 27 assists for 42 points all year. Had 15 points on the power play, 5 goals, 10 assists. Was playing 16-14 average time on ice with 169 shots on goal at right around 9%. He's never been one for like hits or blocks, um, both under 35. But this year, in his second season with the Hurricanes, he had 64 points, 23 goals, 41 assists, 20 points on the power play, 5 goals, 15 assists, 185 shots on goal. So that did see like a 16-shot uptick. Uh, His total shot attempts went up by 54 um, he was shooting at 12.4% this year. He His time on ice went up about 40, 40 seconds a game. Um, Teravainen really broke out in his second year with the Canes. Maybe it's him finally feeling comfortable and taking way more shots that led to his offensive breakout. Uh, he spent almost a minute more on ice per game this year than last, and he's being widely used in offensive zone situations. Almost 70% of his starts are in the offensive zone. His PDO is like spot on 100%. The only worrisome factor here is his jump to 12.4 shooting percentage from his career average of almost 10. So it's not too big a jump yeah, like that. It's not that big a jump that, that isn't sustainable. But we could see like a small amount of regression, maybe one or two goals short next year. But I truly think this is the player we're going to see of Tevo Tervon. And it seems like he's going to be a consistent 50 to 60 point guy going forward. I think he's going to be a good option to kind of round out the bottom part of your roster next year. That's all I really got to say about this guy. I think this was his breakout. I don't think um, there's going to be a little bit of regression, but I don't think it's going to be a drop off a cliff. So going from 64 points, I could see him struggling to break 60, hitting that 55 point marker easily. So if I'm going to guess, I'm going to take 57 points next year for Tavo Terrainen. 57 on the dot. I'll that's all I got under. on there. <laughs> the under? I know there's a lot of people down here that were really disappointed with his play this past year. Really. Yeah, he showed so much promise, 
that they were expecting a little more. And I think they were just a little disappointed with everybody. And it seems like the world down here is in love with Sebastian Ajo. And if you're not Sebastian Ajo, then you're trade bait. So. Yeah, I could see him getting traded. And I think it could be beneficial for him. But I think, I think it would They're be gonna beneficial keep. for him. I think it would be beneficial for a lot of these guys if they would go to a new team and, and be in a new system. But Yeah, Justin Falk, he's got to get the fuck out. Okay. Apparently Chicago's Chicago's pretty interested in Falk. Oh geez. I don't know if that would be good for him then. Okay, so I'm just gonna jump right into Sean Couturier. I guess maybe I should have done this one right after uh Claude Giroux, but fuck it. Sean Couturier. Yeah, thanks he thanks was, for uh, nothing, uh, TJ. You know what? Just because uh, of that, I'm gonna take a nice good old sip of this scotch. Well scotch if scotch, any if, scotch. if I'm the reason for your drinking, I'm proud of that. Down into my so you got uh, so you got Sean Couturier, six foot three, two hundred eleven pounds. He's twenty five years old. He went eighth overall in two thousand eleven. So this is kind of the big one for me. Um, last year, I keep saying last year, like sixteen seventeen year, but uh, I got to get used to that. So two years ago in sixteen seventeen, he played sixty six games, had thirty four points all day with fourteen goals, twenty assists. Uh, he was a plus twelve. He had two points on the power play. Both of them were assists. 120 shots on goal at 11.7% on 195 total shot attempts. Uh, he played about 18 and a half minutes on ice per game. His faceoffs were 55%, had 41 hits and 35 blocks. So he was playing like a second, third line center. This year, as a first line center, he played all 82 games, had 31 <clears throat> goals, 45 assists for 76 points all day. It was a plus 30 fucking four and had 14 points on the power play. He did see a little bit of power play one time, but most of his time was spent on power play two. Um, 227 shots on goal at 13.7% and 377 total shot attempts. So you could say this dude, in his role as a, as a first-line center, fucking shot the puck like a lot. He almost doubled his total shot attempts, almost doubled his total shots on goal. He was playing over three minutes more on ice, uh, his face-off stayed about the same, took a little hit to 52.8%, and put on an extra 33 hits and, like, a handful of blocks. So, what a year for fucking Couturier, man. He doubled his career high in points. He was up for the Selkie Trophy. Still is up for the Selkie Trophy. We haven't figured out who won it yet. Just an all-around breakout for this guy. He was promoted well, we to the top nine. win the Selkie Trophy. It's the Patrice Bergeron Trophy. Yeah, um, it's the same guy who wins it every year. However, don't give me uh, Sean Couturier is easily one of the top three best two way forwards in the yeah. fucking game. So it was him right. and um, was and that's not just us being a homer. He is one of the top defensive fucking. Yeah, I would put uh, Barkov in the same conversation. Kopitar was up there um, for that. So. Couturier was promoted to the top line. He was centering Giroux and sometimes Raffles, sometimes Konechny. Um, He saw an uptick in pretty much anything that could factor into a breakout. He had better line mates, better deployment. He saw some power play one usage. Everything that could have went right did. His career shooting percentage is 3% off this year's production at 13.7, but it's only a small bump from from last year's 11.7%. I think Coots cannot necessarily repeat this year but he's going to come close he's hard to play against he's defensively sound he's strong on the puck and on the boards and shot 150 more attempts than he did in the last year that's almost double that's only 13 shot attempts shy 
double to be exact. So I think with his with his newfound shoot first mentality and responsible hockey sense, that it'd be safe to assume that in this top line role, a sixty to sixty five point season next year is well within grasp. I almost want to say he's got a sixty point floor going forward, but the same that was said for Giroux can be said here. We only have one season of data on Couturier as a first line center and his new deployment. So it's really just speculation, but I think that I, I really think that he can he can do this again. Coots is like a really, really good player, two way all around, just entering his prime. And what a more perfect time to to have him as a first line center than right now. So I think going forward, we're going to see maybe 10 less points than we did this year. I still think he's going to be an excellent option for you guys next year going forward. All right. That's all, well I, got on. That's all I got on. Well done. Hey, so uh, to finish off here, let's move to the Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah, one Carlson from each team. Yeah, we'll do a, a Carlson and a Carlson. It sounds like a fucking sitcom on Fox. Okay, so I'll take John. I'll take John Carlson right. uh, because I'll talk some truth on the fucking Capitals. The truth for the Capitals <laughs> is you're going to lose John fucking Carlson. You yeah. won the cup this year. Congratulations. Seriously. Congratulations to Washington, D.C. They deserved it. They win the President's Trophy every year, and then they fucking choke. Good for you. You've been dealing with the bullshit for, for too many years. I'm glad you guys got one. That being said, John Carlson is going to get paid. This motherfucker is going to make some money. Yeah, at least eight. It always seems to happen that the year before you were about to be an unrestricted free agent, like John Carlson is, you play out of your fucking mind. You play out of your fucking mind. So, John Carlson had just career highs all fucking over the place. Career high on points, 68 points. Career high on goals, 15 goals. Career high on assists, 53 assists. He had his second best year for PIMS. He had 30 plus PIMS. He had 32 PIMS. Um, he had 32 power play points. He got, and and that was one good thing. He actually got a lot of uh, power play time this year, and their power play was just fucking nasty. Oh yeah, it was. Uh, I'll I'll give it to him. Their power play was fucking nasty this year. He did a lot of shooting. This year, yeah, too. He, he so blew he had, his previous career high out of the water. Yeah, he had 237 shots this year, which beat his previous high by 29 shots. Uh, so almost 30 shots he, he took more than his previous high. And what, 60 more shots than he took last season? Yeah. With the whole fact that his shoot, and one thing uh, may give you some sort of ability to sleep on this whole thing is the fact that his shooting percentage is not out of this world. Yeah, it stayed pretty much on even keel with the rest of his career. On par. His career average is 5.7. Last year, he was 6.3. For a defenseman, that ain't not bad. Yeah, he took a shit ton of shot attempts, like career-high shot attempts, career-high time on ice. And And made it work for him. On top of the fact that in the playoffs, especially in the Stanley Cup Finals, I'll, I'll give it to the guy. He did yeah, he fucking it. he did great in the Stanley Cup Finals. He he, he was, was really big considering impact. considering I was I was rooting for Vegas. He made a <laughs> well, it's true. I, I was yeah. I was rooting for Vegas, but yep. I mean in the finals he had two goals and two assists. So I mean that that's a fucking defenseman that had two goals and two assists. 
Now, they were scoring a lot, but still, I don't care. Um, he had a hell of a season. What happens when you sign a big contract? We've gone over this before. You get Kevin Shattenkirk syndrome. <laughs> it's it's a disease. It's called Kevin Shattenkirk syndrome. It's where you do really well. You sign a big fucking deal. A BFD. You come back down to earth. A BFD. <laughs> do you like that one? Yeah, I like that one. Uh, so you sign a big fucking deal. And then you sit back and you collect your fucking paychecks. Yeah. And you do a lot less scoring of the goal variety because I'm sure he'll be scoring off the ice just fine. Cha-ching. Even though even though his forehead looks like a fucking drive in movie theater. Um <laughs> Oh my god, yeah. It it just it's just the way it is. I it, we we've talked about this too much in every John, sport. John so, Carlson looks like the hillbilly at the beginning of Men in Black One. The alien wearing the skin. You know what I'm talking about? He got a brand new Edgar suit. Is that what? It, yeah, the Edgar. That's right. <laughs> Edgar. Oh, poor guy. John Carlson is, I, I'm going to preface this though by saying John Carlson is a great defenseman. He really is. Does he have the ability to keep this up, especially if he gets traded to a good team? Absolutely. However, we don't know where he's going to get traded or not even traded. He's not going to get traded. He's going to sign somewhere. I hope he stays back. If if the cap goes up, they they could afford him, uh, but they got to pay Tom Wilson. They got to pay. I think it's Michael Kempney. This happens every year to the Capitals. They have to pay a bunch of people. And they can only pick like one or two of them. I hope they pick him. Um, I hope they don't. I want to see him play somewhere else. Yeah, but that's because I like disparity. I think he's going to do well next year. But is he going to have? another season like he had this season. Is he going to score almost 70 points as a defenseman? No, I don't think so, especially if he's not on as potent of an offense and as potent of a power play as he was this year in Washington. No, yeah, he's, not gonna, he's not going to score 68 points. It's just not going to happen. So is he due for a regression? Yes, I believe so. Unless he goes to – do you know where actually I'd like to see him go? Hmm. Hold on. Let me think. Where would I say that I'd like to see him? Colorado. That's not what I was going to say. I thought you were going to get this. I thought I thought you would you would be able to jump into the recesses of my mind and uh, think I'm of trying what to think, I'm trying to think of like dark horses here. I mean, obviously Philadelphia would be dope, but yeah. But I'm I'm okay. Just. I am one that is I'm not a fan of just being a homer for a fucking for home's sake. Oh, okay. I got it. Toronto. You want to see him go to Toronto. Ooh, that would be nice. I wasn't even thinking that. I would no. fucking love it if he went to fucking Toronto. That would be awesome. No, I was gonna say the Dallas Stars. I hmm. think he I think he would do really well on the Dallas Stars. I wonder um, if they have the money for that. Because they I just mean, paid Ben Bishop a shit ton of money, uh Radilov got a shit ton of money. You could move stuff around. I just think that it would be a really good – I think it would be a really good fit for, yeah. him, for him and his style of play. Him next to John Klingberg would be fucking ridiculous. What and side would each of them shoot with? He sh- John Carlson shoots right. Klingberg shoots right as well. Um, Does he? But what I, what I was just going to say is it would be – that would be a crazy defense pairing. Chances are you'd probably mix them up so that there would be a top-tier defenseman on both your first and second line defense, 
which yeah. Dallas needs. Dallas needs to not be so fucking top heavy. And I think that uh, John Carlson could really hold down that second line defense. And I, I just think it would be a good fit uh, for, yeah. for just his style of play. I agree. Make it happen, Dallas. I don't think it'll happen. I don't think it'll happen either. I just think it would be a good fit. I think he's gonna. He's probably gonna wind up just where he is, and they're gonna they're gonna shuffle things around and keep him. They need I hope, to. I hope not. I want to see some new. I want to see new faces and new places. Yeah, that would be. I mean, everybody likes to see that. Like Stamkos, a few years back, was having that whole that whole uh, free agency bullshit, and he wound up just staying. I think the same thing's gonna happen with Tavares. The same thing's gonna happen with Klingberg. Or not Klingberg, I, with I, really I really don't think that the same thing's going to happen with Tavares. I think Tavares is fucking gone. I do. I think it's too much build up, and he's just going to be like, oh, yeah, fuck it, I'll stay. <laughs> so, all uh, right, Wild Bill. Yeah, let's move on to the other side of the ice of the Stanley Cup. Um, we just got done watching the Stanley Cup, and uh, William Carlson was kind of there. Uh, who, in was, the final, who was disappointed? Raise you your were. hand. You. I have, um, I have my hand raised. So William Carlson was kind of the biggest anomaly this year. Oh, yeah. He is our first second-round pick out of all the players we're talking about. He went 53rd overall to Anaheim back in 2011. He's 25 years old, left shot, center, um, 6'1", 189, kind of like an average AFG, average fucking guy. He played two years ago with Columbus, as we all know. He played 81 games, had 25 points, 6 goals, 19 assists. Uh, one point on the power play. It was a lone goal with 96 shots on goal at 6.3%. That's where we're going to see our biggest jump uh, outside of time on ice. He played just under 13 and a half minutes on ice. He's never been one for like hits or faceoffs. Um, this year he played 82 games, had 43 goals, 35 assists for 78 points. He tripled his 16-17. Tripled Shots. his fucking career high. <laughs> he was a plus fucking... Uh. 49 plus fucking 49 are you kidding me like jesus fuck i don't care if you don't like plus or minus that is a fucking stat right there plus 49 you don't see that shit you just don't see it he had 16 points on the power play eight power play goals eight power play assists 184 shots on goal so he doubled his shots on goal total on 322 shot attempts and this is where as everybody knows the elephant in the room comes in. He had a 23.4 shooting percentage. Damn. Which is way too fucking high. Which way too high. And that's ridiculous. Ridiculous. So I'm sure you're going to bring it up too, but Jesus shooting percentage, man. The dude was like crazy lucky. We know he's got smooth hands. Like you saw the, that shorthanded goal where he went through the legs to undress Martin Jones this year. That was on every highlight reel. It was on Instagram everywhere, Twitter everywhere. But he shot almost 24%. That means one in four shots went into the net. That's impossibly high. There's no chance it's going to happen. We saw it with Oshie last year, who yeah. went from 33 goals to 18 this year. And he brought his 23% shooting percentage to 14% this year. Much more sustainable. Carlson, on the other hand, has a 10.6 shooting percentage average before this year. And this and, year inflates it okay. to 14.6 average. Okay, so I don't think that he is going to regress to the point where he has a fucking 8.3 shooting percentage again. No, I think he's going to level out at around 12, 13, 14%. Yeah. 
So even if that's the case, that's like that's still if he if he drops ten percent to uh, like thirteen, right where you're saying, that's that brings him to like a reasonable twenty five goals. So he can very well be a twenty five to thirty goal scorer as a top liner in Vegas. But I and everyone in the hockey analytics community is going to agree that shooting percentage is never ever going to be a sustainable by anyone at twenty four percent. So no, we've said it a no, lot this. And we've said it a few times before this episode. We only have one season of data to look at with Carlson too. So like we were saying with Couturier, with uh, Giroux, with Matt Barzell, like we only have one 82-game season to look at. So only time is going to tell, but I do think it's more than realistic to see Wild Bill lose between about 10 to 15, maybe to 20 goals from this year to next year. Um, even at that rate, he's still a 60-point guy and should – and should be drafted as such. So the other player, let the other take players more than 180 shots, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So he's going to have he, to shoot a lot more. more. He's a fucking top line guy. Why is he only taking 184 shots? Number one, that would have brought his shooting percentage down a little bit, or maybe it would have just he would have scored even more fucking points. But he needs to be taking at least 200 shots. So I mean, what, let's just let's just be fucking honest here. Uh, if he's not taking more than 200 shots, I'm pissed. Well, he took 322 total shot attempts, but only 184 hit the back of the net. So that's just under, that's just above 50% like accuracy rating there. Um, but I think at the end of the day, just let the other players in your league draft him like a 40 goal scorer. And you can pick up more stable players in the round. They wind up taking Wild Bill in. Um, if he does wind up going a little later, take a chance. Fine. I'm cool with that, but don't. Don't draft him as a forty goal scorer. He's not no. a forty goal scorer. No, I I, I, think- I totally agree. I would I would let somebody else draft him. Um, I'm a a big William Carlson fan too. I kind of I fell in love with these guys just like everybody else did. I was enamored. I was enamored with Vegas. Hell, uh, pretty early in the season, I kind of saw the writing on the wall. I picked up David Perron. I picked yep. up Mark Andre Fleury, and I wrote I I wrote them. To the, to the end. I mean, and and they really helped me. I wish I would have had William Carlson, but I didn't have the foresight for that. So uh, even I think it'd be safe to say that if uh, if John or if William Carlson here is losing fifteen to twenty to maybe twenty five goals next year, that you could see a drop in March or so in his assist total because a lot of those primary assists from March or so went to Wild uh, Bill. And vice versa. So they they were playing a lot on each other's um, on each other's goals. They're like you, like we were saying with McKinnon and Rantanen, like we were saying with Giroux and Couturier, like we were saying with Dustin Brown and Anze Kopitar. Those two guys, Marcheseau and Carlson, are kind of tied together. If yeah, they're they're, the their fate, year. their fates are definitely correlated uh, in a big way. Uh, but also, but let's still, that, take, that's only that's only ten points right there. Take a look at that whole uh, that whole Vegas team. Are, are we going to regress back to the point where, at this time last year, Vegas was kind of for the most part just getting underway. Uh, we had no idea what to expect, and and really everybody just thought that they were going to be horrible. Yeah. Does the whole team st- take a step back? Yeah, I, I, I can are they see that. are they not even a, a playoff team next year? Or do they no, continue until uh, do they continue their style of play? Luckily for them, they're in the Pacific, um, yeah. which is I, really going to help them. 
I'm looking forward to see what the future has for Vegas. Um, no doubt. I don't there. know. I don't know that they'll make it to the to the Stanley Cup Finals like they did this past year. I hope so. Um, but before we actually even start the podcast. Uh, started the podcast, TJ and I were talking about Vegas a little bit. And one of the things that I had said was they have so many assets. They can make some serious moves this offseason. What are they going to do with those assets? Are they going to make it? It seems to me like they should make moves fucking now. Okay. Yeah, they can, they can draft. That's great. They have proven that they have the ability to make it far, do very well. Is this your is this your immediate window? Did you walk right into a window as soon as you got into the party, and you have the ability? This is I think they need to strike while the iron's hot. There's a lot of factors that play here. So we all know the NHL is a copycat league. So maybe a lot of teams are going to start going towards the pay guys, you know, three five million dollars, and just ride like two, like maybe four second lines and. They, they do have the cap for an Eric Carlson, which is what a lot of us are thinking right now, is that they could make a move for Eric Carlson, but then they got to take on Bobby Bobby Ryan's contract. And then you got two shitty contracts on your books. Um, I think they took, I forget the guy's name, but they took the guy from Columbus to get William Carlson, and they ate that contract. And then you got Bobby Ryan, and then you got Eric Carlson, but I think the return was Cody Glass and Colin Miller. So you're giving up a top four D-man a first round pick last year for Eric Carlson, who could very well just not be the guy that we saw two, three years ago. And if that's what you think that you need to win the Stanley cup, I mean, you did it without him. So maybe just a smaller piece, maybe the John Carlson is what they need. It's going to be really fun to watch this off season. What Vegas does. We know that they can be really savvy with picking up picks, but they can also be really stupid with giving away picks, i.e. Thomas Tatar, a first, a second, and a third. So, oh my God. Oh yeah, my they're God. they're gonna start it. It it's it's interesting. Hey, so Eric, I think this Eric Carlson, a lot of Eric Carlson playing with uh, Nate Schmidt, that would be sweet. I'd I'd, I'd like to watch a, it. I'd be a big fan of that. I like Nate Schmidt a lot. I think he is he's not gonna score your goals, but that kid can that kid he cares. <laughs> like he yeah. he does yeah. you can tell while he's out there, he fucking just gives a shit. Like he, he gave some fucks this year. Oh my god, he did. I, I like Nate Schmidt. Nate Schmidt, if you're listening, you're the man, dude. Uh Frank Fatrano, if you're listening, fuck you. All right. Yeah, man. Fuck you, dude. Fuck you, dude. You suck. You meathead sack of shit. All right. Uh I think that All is right. our cue. <laughs> we can wrap this thing up. So everybody, I do want to thank you guys for listening. Um, once again, our episode is brought to you by Hoser Hockey Company. If you guys head over there. Um, hoserhockeycode.com you can use our um, promo code at checkout it's FHF hockey it'll get you a certain amount of money off of your um, off your total bill I forget what the number is but it's more than zero so that's pretty cool um, <laughs> I think it's it's like 10, 10% or $10 or $20 or 20% I forget but anyway you're going to save some money if you use that promo code FHF hockey um, feel free to get over to our Twitter at FHF hockey. You can hit us up with any and all questions. Um, tell us that we suck. If you're Frank Vetrano, like you can tweet at me as much as you want, man. I'll, I got the middle of finger emoji, like on lock. It's a, it's all my most used. I'm ready for you, but he's going to break the keyboard. He's going to touch the keyboard. And it's just going to explode. Cause he's so thumbs, strong. Thumbs, I'm so angry. 
<laughs> All right, guys. Um, that's everything. So uh, I think I said, yeah, leave us a review. Um, do the Twitter thing. All that stuff. All all my boxes are checked. So thanks for listening, guys. We love you. Love you.